0: Robert Kress is the root pharmacist. Robert graduated from Temple University School of Pharmacy in Philadelphia in 1994, and after becoming disenchanted with the chemical-dominant-based medical system, he took his passion for mind-body and complementary medicine and became Reiki 1 and 2 certified, board-certified in clinical nutrition, trained as a compounding pharmacist through the Professional Compounding Centers of America, quantum reflex analysis, and a practice of kinesiology, as well as a primal health coach. Robert has owned and operated his own compounding pharmacy and nutritional clinic, currently consults with both patients to enhance their health through lifestyle medicine, as well as other practitioners to help integrate, promote, and implement natural medicine in their practices. Robert provides educational wellness workshops and writes regularly on the topic of lifestyle medicine and integrative care while also creating and teaching continuing education courses for pharmacists, pharmacy technicians, and nurses on the topics of lifestyle medicine. I'm Jade.
1: And I'm Shauna.
0: And this is Wellness Speaks,
1: a podcast about functional medicine and healthy living.
0: All right, so thank you so much for joining us. Rob. Today we are talking with Rob Kress, um, the root pharmacist, and he is going to educate us a little bit about uh, organ reserve and how it influences our longevity. How's it going, Rob?
1: Wonderful. How you all doing today?
0: Good. good. Thanks for Excellent. joining us.
1: Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, we're super happy to have you. So um, before we get started talking about organ reserve and longevity and all that good stuff, can you give us... Just like a little bit of a rundown on what's your story because pharmacist does not exactly come to mind when you think like holistic health, right? So, yeah. so, so what's going on um, there?
1: <laughs> uh, pharmacists definitely get a bad rap and in many cases it's probably well deserved. Um, I Let's see, I graduated pharmacist school back in 94 and my reason for going in it was just the ability to move and travel. It really wasn't about, I didn't have a passion for the medicine side of things, but um, and then I got disgruntled. So I just saw like the constant lick, stick, and pour. Um, you know, this is when Prozac was coming out, and it was big, and you know people were putting their dogs on Prozac. And things were getting nuts, and you're kind of treating people uh, with medications to quell their side effects from their other medications. So okay. that led me into natural medicine. My first thing was Michael and Leslie Tierra at East West Herb Course out of Santa Cruz. Um, and this is back in 94, 95. Got frustrated. I was in Philadelphia. I went to Temple University. Um, My wife and I just kind of got frustrated with that whole thing. It's where I'm from originally. So we basically packed up everything, headed west. We landed in Hawaii. It pretty much kept me quiet on any path for about eight years. I just was a pharmacist just to, you know, to live in a ski town. Um, But then my interest came back and it was actually through a, um, an intern that was working for me and it was through Compound and Pharmacy. I don't know if you all are familiar with Compound and Pharmacy. Yeah. Um, for your Okay, for your listeners who are, it, it, it is somewhat of a of health freedom within natu- within pharmacy because um, they get into customization of medications and a lot of them also get into more of an integrative or functional side. So there are a lot of us out there. We're just not in the corner clone stores generally. Right. Um, so you're going to find it in the independents. Um, so there, you know, and during that time, I've just explored so many different areas, um, you know, certified in Reiki, auricular acupuncture, uh, certification in clinical nutrition, uh, most recently a primal health coach. Um um, so that's kind of where my path was. My wife and I had our own compound and nutritional pharmacy, and currently, right now, I consult with individuals as well as other practitioners to implement natural medicine into their practices. Um, and I also train them on continuing educations. Uh, so I bring, like, live C, So I bring the functional medicine approach to it, kind of an entire lifestyle medicine. So that's kind of where I mostly, you know, the space I usually mostly take up these days.
0: That's really cool. So, okay. No, that's no. so it sounds like you, like many of us in the functional medicine community, you wear a lot of hats, right? Yeah, yeah, you like you've to. kind of, yeah, you, really you have, have to. to, you've got to know a lot about all Every... of it. Um, I love that you're a primal health coach. I th- I'd like to talk about that a little bit more later. Um, yeah, I probably. think that's super cool. I think that plays into a lot about what we're probably going to talk about today as well. Um, so, like, within your compounding pharmacy, you're not just compounding prescription medications, right?
1: Right. Well, I sold that, so I sold it back in another way. Okay. So I don't have that anymore. Um, but yeah, no, we compound, we customized everything. You know, it, it was just kind of fit in the needs that aren't being currently met. Um, you know, compound in itself faces a lot of challenges through legislation mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But they've got a lot of strength behind them, and these are the pharmacists with a lot of heart, uh, a lot of drive, and it's the you know, entrepreneurs. So they're bringing a different mindset to the table, which is super important so um i still keep very close to the community even though i don't own my own pharmacy anymore
0: but yeah you can do
1: everything from animals to natural to whatever um i never really got into the nutraceuticals because we have so many good quality options there and honestly i think um you just can't you know you, you can't serve your patient correctly there's too many options where you can reach out so
0: sure yeah sure awesome All right. Well, so what got you interested in the topic of of organ reserve and how it relates to longevity then?
1: You know, I think it's a culmination of everything because I'm a big fan of fitness. Um, I'm a big fan of just being outside. Um, It kind of actually came to light to me about a year and a half or two years ago when I finished, when I did my um, uh, primal health coaching. Because I first heard the term actually from Mark Sisson um, mm-hmm. when he was talking about it, so learning how you know we 've we 've got this functional capacity within our organs to sustain us in times of stress in times of trauma, um, and as a young person, you know we have an abundant amount it 's like this bank account that we can forever draw upon, um, but as we age because you know age itself does not divine illness um, you know chronicle uh, it's it 's more our biological age it does so by getting older it's not proven that we will get sick right? right we can lose faculties we can lose abilities movement and stuff like that but that's not where chronic illness comes from it's more on this biological age and what you know what influences it so at first I was learning on how our lean uh, muscle mass actually supports organ, organ reserve you know it's um, you know when you think about it, and this happened to my mother-in-law um, she broke a hip Right. So you go into the hospital and then from there you go into rehab and this literally starts the downward spiral. You know, you need to like not have that functional capacity of your organs to maintain you. You're kind of on a quicker march. You know, I I think in um, nowadays life, you know, where our lifespan has been you know extended over the last 50 or 100 years it's not to say most cases people are living better um and it's more of a slow march and the other aspect i brought to this was seen in pharmacy because i still work in conventional pharmacy a few days a week so i'm still dispensing statin drugs i'm still dispensing Mm -hmm. metformin you know liver we've got uh with the statin drugs we've got kidneys with metformin um so these are things that are weighing on our organs this functional capacity that we have to maintain us in times of stress. And, you know, who doesn't have stress? Um, and whether it is a trauma, whether it is emotional. So um, what got me interested was just everything and just what a role it plays. So, yeah. Sure. If that makes make sense.
0: Yeah, it does. So to kind of step back a little bit. um you talked about how when we are younger, like when we're children, we have this bank account of organ reserves. So yeah. do you feel like that's kind of why a lot of times, you know, kids are, kids can be exposed to the same amount of toxicity that maybe an adult is exposed to and they recover from it a little faster. They bounce back from it a little quicker. They don't have, and this is in general, right? Like we're speaking in general. There's obviously children sure. who have like impaired detox pathways too, but, um. Right. Generally speaking, a healthy child and like a quote unquote healthy adult, the the child is probably gonna be able to recover from some sort of injury, trauma, toxin exposure, or something like that, um, a little bit better than an adult is. Yeah.
1: I think it absolutely plays a role because they have a larger bank account. Um, I think there's other aspects there too. Sure. You know, as a child, you're just in a different mindset and emotional state as well. You know, we've got a lot of these things that have become blunted as we've become into adulthood. You know, we've been trained um, not to use our right brain as much, not to get into our creative, um, not to play, not to. You know what I mean? And I think um, children have. I, I think it all plays a role. That's what. That's why I like to look at everything. Um, and speaking of that, I think we're at a time where it's kind of alarming because when you mentioned detox pathways, you know, and it's not a vaccination talk here, but, but you know, um, there's a lot to be concerned about with this increase in schedule that's being thrown For on children sure. these days because that's what it's hitting. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, that's alarming.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah, super alarming. Very alarming. And yeah. we know that that, I mean, that affects adults too. Like I see clients yeah. all the time that, you know, got their flu shot or – were pregnant and got a Tdap and suddenly have an autoimmune onset. Um, right. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely affects that. Um, so then when we talk about organ reserve and how it's kind of correlated to our biological age. So does this, cause there's, um, I read some things on like the length of telomeres being used mm-hmm. to, uh, sort of like determine our biological age. So is, yep. is the organ reserve and the telomere length and the amount of lean muscle mass we have, do those all sort of impact each other?
1: Um, you know, I don't know if that, yeah, I would, I would assume so. I, don't, I haven't seen any research to say that they have. I have seen research as equated um, biological functions with telomeres and mm-hmm. equating that. To organ reserve? Yeah. Um, So, yes, I would suggest yes. Um, I haven't seen the definitive on it. Uh, But, you know, when it comes down to it, it all comes down to our lifestyle. Sure. You know, telomere length, it's lifestyle, it's our diet, it's everything that we do. And it's going to be the same thing with the organ reserve. So, um, the seed of it all or the root of it all still kind of follows the same pathway.
0: So, how much do you think that, um, like, the genetics that we're born with are going to influence? our biological
1: aging it depends on the lifestyle because you know we are able to influence (laughs) our genetics so you know if we're born with a certain um you know snippet a mutation or something like that and we don't do the things to counterbalance it um then you know that's going to take us on a downward trajectory but on the other hand if we do the things that are going to support i mean we have the ability to turn the good one good genes on and turn the bad ones on and vice versa. So um, it all just depends on the decisions that we make right. around that.
0: Well, so that yeah. sounds like that sounds like you don't feel like like the genetics that we're born with play a huge role in it. No, nah.
1: and nah, I would. I mean, a, I agree with that.
0: A, I think it's more yeah. a lot more of what what our external um, influences going on there are going to be. Yeah,
1: external so, and. In- I mean, the thoughts we think, the emotions that we have, that all actually affects our genetic outlay, which is amazing. I like that you
0: make that point because we don't address that in our society. No,
1: it's it's literally where I spend most of my time, but I had to get people in the door through nutrition and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, that's all epigenetics, right?
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. And, you know, when you look at it now too, um, you know, look where science of nutrigenomics is going. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got the testing going on and we're seeing what nutrition can play to it. So, um, you know, that is just a small factor of the epigenetics. The epigenetics is, is as you just said, it's going to be the thoughts we think, the emotions that we have, the exercise we do and we don't do. So,
0: and yeah. it's really hard. I think it's hard to like, you know, we talk about epigenetics and we talk about nutrigenomics and we talk about like they're like they're separate almost. And I right. have a hard time with, and I know that, you know, this is why, and I know you know this, but there's, there's all these studies where we, we try to study, like, this one particular nutrient or this one particular stress factor or all of these things, like, in isolation. And I right. feel like in this realm, it's impossible to determine if there's, there's not, like, one determining factor, right? Because we have this small little percentage that's our genetics, and then we have all right. these internal and external factors that you may or may not experience and does it matter at what time in your life you experience them, whether you're a child or an adult or you're elderly or how much of it you experience or how much you let it affect you or how, <laughs> so many compounding factors there.
1: Um, Absolutely. You're, yeah.
0: And so it's, I, I kind of wonder when people ask for like the, the science behind these things, how do you explain that to people? Because it's, it's hard to, you know, well, yeah, we've got some studies we can cite, but like,
1: right. You know, from my point of view, you have to look at science as suggest suggestive, and you have to look at it, something that's going to help guide you in a certain direction. But we also have to look at outcome based results. Um, and, you know, you know. When I teach other pharmacists, um, they keep it saying, where's the gold standard studies? Where's the gold mm-hmm. standard studies, which is a double-blind Double controlled yeah. study, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, they're there, and I can show them to you. I mean, nutrition is the most you know, well-studied science there is, which many allopathic practitioners do not understand this. But in the same realm, I also say in any study you see nothing's 100 percent nothing's black and white for some people it's going to work and others not there's other factors that we need to take play uh into control not to say we need to be like ocd on the matter Mm -hmm. but at least it's going to open up to say okay i haven't looked here so let's check this out and let's see if this is going to influence it you know it's the n equals one we are our own experience we got to use our own intuition on it um it's our own story you know um we are not a generality and we can't be looked at that way
0: Exactly, because none of us are biochemically identical, right? I mean, it's just, it doesn't work that way because of, A, what we're born with, but, B, and mostly what we experience in our lifetime. Yes.
1: Um, Absolutely. Our, Our past condition plays such a role. Yeah.
0: All right, so kind of... Speaking to, you know, what we experience, what we choose in our life to, you know, the decisions we make surrounding our external internal factors, what are, what are some of these factors that are going to influence our, our organ reserve? And if you want to talk, if you want to talk a little bit first about kind of lean muscle mass and organ reserve and how those two correlate, then sure. that might, that might kind of help our listeners understand, um, what the factors yeah, are you that know. influence those two things.
1: That's, you know, we'll start with that. I mean, that's what got me into this originally um, from the fitness point of view. And it's basically functionally muscle mass supports our optimal organ and function, um, and it helps minimize the stress. So if you think about when we exercise and when we move, our organs come along from the ride. You know, they are there to respond. We are adaptive beings. Stress. Is a good thing when it's in balance. So when we can provide the stress, for instance, if we're in a fight or flight response, mm-hmm. or even if we're exercising, our lungs and our heart are going to basically go to three to four times the normal resting capacity. So that is going to actually provide them a strength in doing so. Um, so that's kind of the realm where that can work. Now on the other side of the things, when I say functional. Muscle mass, this is muscle mass we can utilize. You can actually have too much muscle that's going to weigh hard on your organs. you know if you're doing just isolated working out you mm-hmm. know just to build those muscles, but they're truly not functional, that's actually a heavy weight on them. so it is an inherent balance um, you know you can you can see it many times uh, you can see it in ultra you know um, distance type runners, sometimes they're just putting too much on the heart through that exercise. So mm-hmm. even with the exercise there's a balance, um, chronic inflammation, you know, we know exercise is good for us, but if we don't give ourselves the balance of rest and repair yeah. through the stress and the inflammatory pathways, then we're just gonna create a snowball of inflammation. And that is essentially the root of most of our issues going on here where it plays a role in there. Um and on the the chronic other side, i chronic
0: inflammation? Yeah. Is
1: that yeah. what you're referring to? You know, yeah. Yeah, because it's designed to build up, but then break down, and we need that time of repair at that point. And I in mean, our we're society, we're beings. not
0: we're not very good at at the rest and recovery part of things.
1: Not at right? all. <laughs> and it, you know, we're, we're too much in our head. You know, yeah. I, like you know, I can't tell you how many times I speak to people who their goal is to lose weight, mm-hmm. so they're at the gym or the fitness center every morning at five thirty in the morning, knocking themselves out for like ninety minutes, and then yeah. you know. It's just stokes that flame continually, and they're not getting anywhere, or they're sliding backwards. And I don't believe things have to be that difficult. You know, no. I, I think sometimes we have too many bosses, and we need to step back, and we need to understand how we are built and the rhythms, rhythms naturally. That you know, that's back to the primal days, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. you know, look at a lion for God's sake. You know, a, a lion, a perfect, you know, example of fitness and beauty. not kicking his butt all day long. (laughs) (laughs) We just need that.
0: He's definitely Um, not waking up at 5 a.m. to go exercise.
1: (laughs) No, you know, and when I tell people that, like recently I had someone, she was doing like, you know, you and I were just talking about sprints, right? Uh Well, she was literally sprinting for like 90 seconds. I'm like, you can't do that. That's That's just functionally not possible. (laughs) That's not a sprint, you know, and a minute, and it's like this, this idea that, you know, no pain, no gain. The more is better. Mm-hmm. Um, in many cases, is not the truth. Yeah. Um, so we need that balance. But on the other side of the things, it's that sedentary nature of living. People sure. are just too sedentary. Modern day society, um, and that itself can lead to the inflammation. That itself can impair organ reserve and all that. So once again, it's just kind of the balance from the fitness side of things.
0: So how does like? Do we know? I'm like, I know I've seen some studies where they're they're correlating lean muscle mass and organ reserve. To the, these two are kind of correlated throughout the lifetime. So like, as we age, and we lose our lean muscle mass, if we're not using it, and then it's also showing that our organ reserve is going down. And so our biological age ends up being um, kind of farther down the path than our chronological age maybe. Mm-hmm. So like, are, do we know why these two correlate with each other? Like, how does that lean muscle mass influence the organ reserve is it because when we have more lean muscle mass our inflammatory markers are lower like we've got less inflammation going on in the body and that's helping to up our organ reserve
1: i think that comes out on the net net of things because usually if we have the lifestyle factors Mm -hmm. that are going to implement that then usually we're going to have low c reactive protein levels like i'll give my dad as an example okay um He's 80, right, okay. and he, I've, I finally learned that I can't tell him what to do. Um, <laughs> he's been bordering on diabetic forever. His internist won't say a damn thing. He was at 120-something, and the latter I yelled. The, the more, he heard. Uh, Yeah, the less he heard. He's a very good selective hearer. As he's aging, you see him each year. M- muscle mass is going down, mm-hmm. but at this point, a lot of people see this. They'll go to the doctor. They'll have to be like, man, you lost 10 pounds. That's great. Well, no, what did you lose, right? And we really got to look at that. So, you know, now we're talking about body mass index, but we need to look at the whole picture. We need to look at our diet. Doctor doesn't even check his inflammatory levels. I asked him to check it. They're through the roof. So finally he sees something that's more, my mom sees something that's linked to heart disease and stroke. And it's like, okay, Bob, we need to change our path right now, or you do. My mom's like dialed in, no problem. Um, So, you know, when I see someone like that, whose blood sugar is going up, you know, those people usually lose about a pound of muscle mass a year and gain about a pound and a half of fat a year. Okay. So, you know, get that over a three to five year period, that, that's a lot of weight on organ reserve. So it's doing that or on the organs. But secondly, inflammation is going through the roof. Um, you know, increasing all these other chances, then they get put on medications, right? Right. So the medications, they're going to deplete drug-induced nutrient depletions. You hop on metformin for sugar, you know, your CoQ10 is taken out. It's yep. suppressing your B12 is taken out of the way, what, 33% of the people. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's a metabolic mess. Let's go on a statin drug. Let's take more CoQ10 out. Let's prevent the production of K2, <laughs> which is good for the heart, to clear arteries. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, just think, I, I, don't, I just think it's a big net-net of everything.
0: And it just kind of, like, that compounding effect.
1: Yeah. Like, I don't think you could say the one thing. You right. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people have a very healthy, lean body mass, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll drop dead run. You know? They're very healthy. And, you know, it's that thing. But they weren't seeing inflammatory markers. So, as you alluded to that, yeah, that probably plays a role. But, you know. Um. So,
0: when we talk about, like... You're talking about uh, non-functional muscle mass, where you've got like too much mm-hmm. body mass. So mm-hmm. you mentioned ultra runners, uh, like marathon running stuff like that. So they're, I mean, they're pretty lean. So maybe not too. That's right. like more of a too much stress. It'll on be the body. more a
1: bodybuilder. Yeah. yeah so you yeah, That would like bodybuilding. Body like completely isolated. Yeah. You know, so like bicep curls normal.
0: in the gym, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, cause that's that's not how we, we evolved, right? Right. it's not a, it's not a functional a movement. We're not doing that. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that's how I, you know, you know, we're our bodies are synergistic. The muscles, everything works together. So we need to call upon each other to keep everything active.
0: Yeah. So what I mean, so if you're not going go to, so to go to the gym at five a. So you get have to go to the gym at five a.m. You're you're interrupting your sleep cycle for one thing. Right. Like when you were talking about that earlier, that to me screams like, no, stay in bed, get some rest, go work out.
1: Um,
0: but so you're interrupting your circadian rhythm. So that's obviously going to impact your, your inflammation, inflammation in your body, but then you're going to the gym. And so like, not that the gym is a bad place to be, obviously, um, because we're humans and we like to be comfortable. And I know I don't want to go run sprints outside when it's 110 degrees or when it's, 10 degrees. So right. <laughs> um but you know, like going to the gym doing those those non functional repetitive movements so that you know you've got huge biceps or quads or whatever it is you're looking for. But so like if somebody's gonna ditch that and move to a functional movement, what are these functional movements? Like how do we we're so far removed from what what is a functional movement in our society now? Aside okay, from just you know, sitting in your chair. <laughs> sure.
1: <laughs> um, you know, and when you say functional movement, it's full body movement. So it could be something as simple as a push-up. Yeah. You know, it could be a plank, right? Because you're calling on everything at one time to do it. So it's the idea of non-isolation. Squats are that way too. When it's your own weight-bearing, mm-hmm. I, I think – plays a role into all that um, pull ups is another great option you know I'm not and hey two each their own I think it's great that people get to the gym I think there's a motiva- motivational factor Absolutely. and stuff like that you know I center myself around my home so you know for me to get it done I have to have it there so I can access to it mm-hmm. um, so I, I simplify things I go in those directions um, you know let's look at uh, I was talking to my chiropractor the other day and the amount of um, injuries he sees from simple treadmills Because in walking, it pulls the hip flexors back so far. It's not a normal functional movement as you would walk, and you almost have to, on a treadmill, as he was telling me, get into almost a marching stance because you're not dragging your leg back. So a lot of these, yeah, so like a lot of these, um, you know, machines in the gyms, Mm -hmm. they aren't falling in line with our regular functional movements or how we naturally move. So So it's it's all about natural
0: it's like they're almost trying to mimic what would be a functional movement but because the machine is doing part of the work for you it's maybe kind of exacerbating what that movement would normally be and making it non functional at that how,
1: point or it's how it's how the machine moves you in that point yeah. you know like like elliptical might be more natural you know on how you know if you think about it, on how our legs naturally know but it's mm-hmm. a drag back but you can fix that it's not to say treadmills are bad you just sure. got to know when to lift the foot before yeah. it goes too far yeah, or but, like do you, you know, this I is know that train. a lot
0: of a lot of people will suggest on treadmills um, turning up the incline on it mm-hmm. because when you've got it on just yeah. like a flat ground, that's not the same as walking on the earth on a flat ground. Just <laughs> because of that, right. Because Correct. the tread is moving, right? So I've right. heard that like if you right. turn up the incline on it, it mimics um, actual walking a little bit better. I don't know how true that is. I've just heard that. <laughs>
1: That makes sense because, I mean, I could see how you would be pulling your back leg up quicker in that yeah. case or earlier Early, and not allowing yeah. it to drag back as much. Yeah, Sure. Yeah. So what are some steps that,
0: that you do through like – sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh,
1: no, go ahead. Really.
0: Um, I was going to say, so what are what are some movements that you do? I mean, like you mentioned squats and pull-ups and planks, but with the primal movement, I see a lot of – I call it like the monkey crawl where you're like down in yeah. a squat and kind of like – pushing into your palms and you're not you're not pulling up into a handstand but you're lifting your feet with your core kind of and setting it down and over is that the type of i'm super interested in these primal movement coaches that have been popping up and i'm waiting for someone in my area to do this (laughs) so that i can go (laughs) see them um so anyone in the oklahoma city metro if you're listening (laughs) go get your your primal movement certification um, I'm really interested in it cause like I've watched a lot of videos online and kind of done a little bit of it at home. My husband, um, goes to jujitsu a few kind, times a week and they oh. practice some very similar type, they don't call it primal movement, but it's, it's when you look at it, it's very similar. Um, when they're, when like when they're doing their warm ups, it's a lot of stuff like that. Um, yeah. but is, so, so how do you, is this something that you do like every day or that you no, suggest every... someone does every day?
1: Um, generally not. I mean, me personally, I do yoga every day. Yeah. So like, that's my morning wake up and that's full body movement. Yeah. Right? High
0: five for um, that.
1: And, and yoga. And I think we also got to be careful to understand it, it really, you know, at its core, it's a spiritual exercise. And I think there's a mm-hmm. lot of value to that. So it's not I don't want it to get diluted. To the the fact that it's just an exercise, you know, yeah. it's not just to get fit. It's not to just build muscle and be flexible, um, but um, it's full body movement, and that's what I'm generally looking for because I want to activate and incorporate everything. Yeah. Um, if I'm looking at these other full body, we'll call them weight bearing movements, okay. um, you know, such as the push ups and squats and pull ups, I'll do that two times a week, maybe. Um, you know, we've got schedules that are busy, and I, I just, um, I, you know, I. And, I, and once again, you got to be intuitive. What works for you? Um, what feels great for you? You know, I. It's funny when I got into sprinting. I love sprinting. Like when I was in high school, I could sprint. You give me the four hundred, I'm going to be like. Dead at the end of it. I don't like that. I want to get it <laughs> done, you know, get through it. So when I got, when I was introduced, like, ah, oh, I can sprint now as an adult. This is awesome. And I would see the results. But, you know, I was educated on once every seven to 10 days. So for me, I'm like, well, got to do it seven days, right? Because that's better than eight days or nine days or 10 days. Um, <laughs> but then recently I started going to the 10 day effect. And oh my God, my sprint, like, the capacity just went through the roof. Yeah. So you got to know yourself and experiment to see what's best. So if I'm doing a weight bearing exercise two to three times a week, maybe someone can do it once maybe they can do it four the idea is to make sure you have prepared enough to come back at it better than you were the time before and if you wake up and you're feeling crappy or low low you didn't get that sleep forget about it don't do it that day yeah not, a good day, not a good no, day to do it
0: not a good day to do it. I've noticed that it's too not good because, your life. um like I used to I used to be um, a long distance runner and okay. I like I ran marathons and I was at one point I was running um, like 70 miles a week Oh my God. Um, yeah, way too much. Um I mean I didn't think it was too much at the time, but <laughs> but now I look well, like, on it.
1: Well it probably comment. felt great. I mean, and were you just hooked on the endorphins from it or what?
0: I think so. Um, but it was also at that time I was like I was living on carbs, not so much refined not a lot of like refined foods, but I was eating a very high carb diet to be able to sustain that. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I start my body started kind of breaking down because of it. Um, I did that for, I don't know, maybe five years. And then towards the end of it, it was, I had a lot of injuries that mm-hmm. were not healing ever. Right. And so I finally, um, just kind of stopped. I ended up getting pregnant with my second child and just never, never went back to long distance running. <laughs> um, but so I've started doing some sprinting lately and I'll do like, light jogs with sprinting in between. And I, but I have noticed the same thing is I was kind of following a program where I was running like 3 days a week and there were a few sprints in each run. And I noticed that if I don't if I do those sprints more than once a week, the second time that I do them, I they're they're not as fast for one thing and right. I don't feel great doing them. Right. I'm like done. I, I don't, don't want to do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you're not rewarded from the experience. Yeah.
0: At yeah.
1: All. And and it all should be fun. I mean, it all should be fun and it, you should do things that you enjoy. Like, you know, I think part of like I ride a longboard skateboard and I'm on it every night cuz that's exercise and that's fun for me. You know yeah. what I mean? And you, it's like implement and play into everything. To me, a sprint is play. It's what we did as a kid. Well, you
0: yeah. You know, so
1: I look so much forward that day. Yeah. But exactly. and, you know, one thing what you said it was very interesting and you know um, i guess i'll attach to when you were saying the incline on the um treadmill now you know dr phil maffetone
0: Mm-mm, i'm not familiar
1: oh. okay well he's um Kinesiologist, MD, does a lot in exercise physiology. But he talks about, okay, let's talk about maximum heart rate. He'll talk about 180 minus your age, okay? okay. And you know, if you're on if you have a health issue or maybe you're on some meds, take five or ten point uh, points off of it. But really looking at your heart rate, because when you go above that threshold, you just start pulling that glycogen out of the liver, and as you were saying, you're just replenishing and burning, you're in this carb cycle, and that actually turns into an inflammatory cycle on the same time because what does it call upon? It calls upon more insulin, more mm-hmm. you know, insulin than we physiologically are designed to do. And that is in, you know fat storing as well as an inflammatory hormone. So whether it's actually marathon running or long distance running, um, or it's even just I went a little too far every morning at the gym with the incline or something like that without giving them breaks, it yeah. all plays a role in that. Also, yeah. well,
0: so it's funny because when um, I was looking at some old lab work, That I had because I recently got some new lab work done, and I like to compare over the years how things change, as (laughs) like as I have changed what I do with my diet and my exercise. But so I was looking, I pulled up some really old lab work, and from back in my in my long distance running days, my HBA1C back then was um, at one point was five point seven, which is like. But I was very, very thin. I was I was probably 125 pounds. I'm five six, so I was like 125 pounds. So pretty thin for my height, but um, but a very high HV, like too high. That's too high in my opinion. Um, so now I hover more around like 140. I do a lot more weight bearing exercise. I've been a yoga practitioner for almost 10 years, and I've taught for about eight or nine. But um, so yoga's always kind of been there, but. These days I do a lot more functional type movements. So like I do the sprinting. I do a lot of the body weight bearing exercises like you talked about. I do um, stuff with like kettlebells a few times a week. Um, Mm -hmm. So my most recent blood work came back and my HbA1c was 4.6. Wow. Yeah. Uh, So uh. 15 pounds heavier but yeah. when yep. you look at how much lower and I mean there's been some dietary changes there as well, for sure um the carbohydrates how do you, have gone how do you
1: feel How do you feel now compared to you did then?
0: Oh, I feel a lot uh i my energy levels are much better more like consistent I, yeah, yeah, for okay. sure yeah. um yeah. I have a much easier time falling asleep at night, I sleep much okay. better um I have an easier time waking up in the morning. I, you know, that's all yeah, of those yeah. things, yeah, has changed dramatically. Yeah. Um, and there has, I mean, dietary wise, it's, I don't eat grains anymore and I don't eat any sugar at all. Um, part of that stems from a Hashimoto's diagnosis that I like reversed. So I still mm-hmm. don't eat grains um, and I just won't ever. But I also don't eat um, like, like, like many carbs foods in general, like I steer clear of the higher carb vegetables, even, Um, I mean, I still eat them, obviously, but like tons of berries, tons of greens, all that good stuff. Um, But so that and then the the loss of like the chronic cardio, I was I was definitely a chronic cardio addict. And I think that's kind of what we I love that
1: term, (laughs) chronic cardio.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's but people have a lot of that, right? Like, oh, yeah.
1: Absolutely. Um, like I did that, CrossFit for taken a long time. Heart rate too high. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I did CrossFit for a long time and I loved it and I don't think there's an issue with CrossFit as long as you can allow yourself to not be too competitive. Um but I had to stop because I had I was I had an injury that I couldn't I couldn't fix. But um but I see that a lot too like people are like, "Well, I I only want to go do CrossFit on the days where the workout is super intense and nobody would want to go on the days where it was like a little more low key.
1: It gets so in their head and their ego or something. I don't know what that is, but I almost wish someone would just start a business called Fun CrossFit, you know, like, (laughs) because, you know, CrossFit offers some neat stuff and really fun stuff, you know, different forms of movement and all that. But, you know, it's, I think there's a lot of injuries that come from it. When people aren't balanced correctly and Mm -hmm. it's that overdrive that you're not, I don't want to say over, it's not like I'm judging it, but, um, it's not (laughs) balanced.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a workout that you should be doing every day.
1: Right. Correct.
0: Because like, you know, if you're doing that five days a week, that's way too much. Yeah. Way too much overload going on there. Right. Um,
1: and a lot of 20, 30 year olds can handle it just fine, but yeah. just come back to me when you're in your forties and tell me what's going <laughs> yeah, on. I
0: mean, I'm 36 <laughs> and I haven't, I stopped going back in January just because I had like an old shoulder injury that just, I just kept flaring it up. And so, um, I was like, man, I'm just, i my body's too old to like repair yeah. itself yeah. and deal with this. And it's just, it's, I need to just stop. I need to just not do this anymore. I finally came to terms with it. And it was a bummer because it was a great community and I still have some really, one of my best friends I met there and, you know, we still hang out. But, um, so I do miss that aspect of community because I think that community is something that probably lends itself to this as well. Right? Like, um, we, I, I know that in, in your podcast, um, about Oregon Reserve, you talk about the blue zones. Um, and how people that live in the blue zones that participate in these activities, um, you know, they, they walk a lot and they eat these anti-inflammatory diets, but they also have a very strong community, right? And so...
1: One of the seven roots I talk about is connection. We need we need to be connected to others. We need to be connected to nature, and I think we need to be connected to animals, truly. Yeah. But um, it is it's that community effect within that. It plays such a big role. It's we need to we need connection. A lot of people are started from connection. You know that's what leads to a lot of depression. That's what leads to a lot of habitual patterns. Um, and we've been disconnected through technology, even though we think we're more connected. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it's because you're you know, you're texting someone instead of maybe meeting them somewhere or even hopping on a phone call. And I think to some extent we do have more connection because, you know, before the internet, you and I certainly wouldn't have connected or, um, you know, even like Shauna and I wouldn't have connected. We met online through our graduate program. So it does offer some connection, but it also offers a whole lot, like you said, of
1: disconnect,
0: where we're well, I, I only think we'll, connecting to devices.
1: The, exactly. I think we've kind of given up on the other end. We've, yeah. we've lost some of the, the deeper, maybe. But no, you're absolutely right on that, though. Because I could think of a lot of people in the same terms that I wouldn't know wouldn't be doing and where that's taken even personal life or whatever, you know, to such a higher value of level. And, yeah.
0: Well, so how do you think that that part plays so much? I mean, like, how? What do you think the mechanism is? I'm I'm always interested in finding out what the mechanism is, and maybe we don't know this yet. But what is it about that connection with that physical connection, that in-person connection um, with other people that influences our longevity, that influences our our organ reserve? That
1: I think it's presence. I, I think it's presence and, and present, just being present. Like you can be present through technology. Like right now, we can both be here doing the same thing and connect that way. Um, or you could be looking at text as, well, thank God, it'll just go to text or it'll just go to my voicemail to answer and I'll just shoot back a boom. You're not being present at that point. And I really think that plays a whole role, just being in the now, communicating someone. Because, you know, I have had very um, inspiring connections through text, text messages, you know, some things that have really gone deep and stuff like that. But on the other hand, I've had some very superficial just quick yada yadas, you know what I mean? So I think it it, probably just looking back on this, it doesn't really have to be the motive connection. But if you're sitting across from a bar with someone Mm -hmm. and you're having a drink, you're present with them, you know, and that's why, you know, when you look at the blue zones, you know, why another reason why they might say that glass or two of wine might have a benefit because you're connecting with others and you're being present in that state. There was research a few years ago in Britain, even the guys that go to the bars um, or to the pubs or maybe it was somewhere in Europe and have a few beers, you know, thinking, oh, it's going to shoot their triglycerides up and it's going to do this, it's going to do that. There's actually some positive health, you know, ramifications that came from that, from that community sense. And you're being present, you know?
0: That makes sense. And that's, um, you know, I would go so far as to say that when you're when you're present with someone and you're connecting with someone like that, it's reducing your stress level. It's reducing absolutely those stress hormones in your body. And that in and of itself is going to lend itself to, you know, your body being able to repair better. It's going to lend itself to better sleep. Changes your yep. hormone levels. Um, yep. You know, it gives you those feel-good hormones that we all want to have right yeah.
1: um now you're exactly right
0: so i mean that's a really interesting aspect because then you can also think of it what if you're at the bar with your friend and you're trying to connect but you're you're checking your facebook every five minutes or right you are, so how do we get away from that
1: <laughs> that i, I you know. You know what I mean? I think that's just the dynamics of the relationship. Yeah. Maybe they shouldn't be at the bar together. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> I mean, you know? when,
0: maybe when we go to the bar, you need to ditch your phone somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. You know, I mean, it's,
1: you can bring it. But, I mean, if you find a way to be obsessive on it and you're mm-hmm. ignoring the person, you know, that's an interrelationship issue, I think, yeah. more than a technology. That's
0: a you good
1: know? point. try yeah, and I've heard it said, you know, some people are like, thank God I see that husband and wife just text on the phones. Because if they weren't, they'd probably kill themselves otherwise because they don't like each other, <laughs> obviously. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, you know, there's a, little, a couple other things to be locked in that, I guess.
0: And I guess, again, but, it goes yeah. back to that, um, you know, there's no one factor. There's no one single there's factor. No you can't blame it all on the phones, I guess. You can't.
1: No. No, it's it's your decision to pick it up and it's your decision not to engage with that other person. Don't know what that inner relationship is for that reason, but there's something there probably.
0: Probably. There's probably something else yeah. that needs to be explored there. I don't know. I know that I have a hard time um not checking my phone constantly, no matter where I am. So I take a lot of apps off my phone periodically, like I'll take social media and my Gmail app and I'll just take them off my phone for a few weeks at a time. Um, so that I don't have that pull and that urge to constantly check it. And when I go, um, to me, do you
1: binge when you go back?
0: (laughs) Um, I don't binge, but I find that when I put those apps back on my phone, I, uh, over time increase the number of times I'm checking them each day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. And then it'll okay. finally yep. get to a point where I realize I'm looking at my phone way too much, and so I'll take them off again. And I go so, through this so cycle sorry. over okay. and over, <laughs> and, over <laughs> and over. Yeah. <laughs> so clearly I have I mean, and I feel like part of that is, you know, my generation is like I I'm part of that generation that was the first to come into adulthood with these devices, right? So I was right. I think 19 when I got my first cell phone and it was like okay. maybe younger maybe maybe 18 maybe 17 I don't know I don't I don't think I was still in high school when I got one but it was like the the Nokia you know that had like the black the the gray screen with like the green Letters and when you when texting first started you'd have to like push the button three times to get to the third letter on it and
1: um oh my god yeah Yeah.
0: but i mean i was you know this was literally i'm i'm that generation that like as i became an adult these were
1: implemented you know so we've seen both right yeah
0: yeah Yeah. so um you know in high school i had a pager i definitely had a pager when i was like a freshman in high school (laughs) <laughs> so a little bit different then but you know so it's it it's it's weird like to have that technology implemented as you come into adulthood and it kind of becomes a part of like how you communicate with people and um uh, like as you're learning to be an adult and you've got that there so um yeah I don't know I I find it I find it this 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 pull and play back and forth with, with that type of stuff where I'm trying to be very conscious of how uh-huh. much I use it and how it influences me. And at the same time, make sure that I don't get too deep into it. <laughs> like, let it go. Yeah, don't no, use... <laughs> I,
1: I can't literally understand. I think everyone deals with that. You yeah. Know?
0: It's, hard, yeah and absolutely. it's funny. I mean, like, if they're
1: aware. So it's, yeah. If yeah. they're
0: aware. Yeah. Well, it's funny. My dad um, is a, he's, Seventy. He's turning seventy this month. And he uh man, he loves that cell phone. Isn't
1: he, that funny? He yeah. loves
0: that thing. He is yeah. on it all the time.
1: Yeah.
0: All the time. And whenever he's hanging out with my kids, I'm like, Dad, you gotta put the phone away.
1: <laughs> yeah. You gotta yeah, right? put that A somewhere. Lot of grandkids are <laughs> in front of you.
0: And he like <laughs> He's, and he's like, but I want to take pictures of them. I want to take videos of them. And I tell him all the time, I'm like, man, you're, you're viewing your kids through a phone camera, though. Like your yeah. or your grandkids. You need to you need to set it down. And you need to just look at them with your eyeballs for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. You
1: know, all and, the time. And that, and, yeah, and that's kind of an element of the presence we talked about. But now there's also an element, I think, what we're losing is silence and being okay in mm. silence. Um, And I think that's been a big disconnection. I think. That that plays many realms on our health um are you familiar with carolyn meese I- Uh uh-uh. okay she's medical intuitive um great work it's uh, myss.com this past sunday um she had in her email it was uh, basically on silence and okay. just the different degrees in silence and being comfort in it um and it was really because i have issues with that in my own right you know yeah. like You're like, what what is this? What is this space? How do I occupy this silence? And I do it subconsciously. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, um, I'm forever being told you don't need to take your phone in the shower to listen to music or to listen to a podcast or to do this or to do that. You know, you can be within it. But then there's a deeper silence as well that I think um, habitually we're becoming a little bit disconnected from as well. So um, it's interesting for sure. And I just think it's something in awareness. Like when I go home to visit my family, my folks, background noise is their theme and they were conditioned with it they have a tv mm-hmm. on the kitchen they've got the tv on in the living room um there's housewives there there's fox news there. it's just like nuts Yeah, yeah. Yes. And, and for me i definitely delve into a lot more silence than they do so like my stress levels you could feel my cortisol rising when i'm in there you know it's it's really wild
0: yeah i have that so. i have i feel that same um i get that same thing going on and it's funny even my kids feel it when we go to somebody's house, that because ha- we don't, we have one TV in our house. It's not on very frequently, um, and we have music on in the background sometimes, but not all the time. But my, when we go somewhere where there's that meow, 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 of the TV right. on in the background, um, I feel I can feel my kids getting a little bit anxious from it.
1: Interesting, yeah. yeah. And I get it for yeah. sure.
0: But as an adult, you know, you you recognize that you're like, oh, it's the TV. On in the background not, a, not all
1: adults do <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you and I do it like all
1: yeah, right
0: yeah you know like we're in tune enough with that where we're like oh yeah man it is it is noisy in the background and that is driving me a little bit crazy but yeah I, I see my kids get just like I can tell by the way they're acting and um we were at a friend's house the other day and my son came over and he was like I'm ready to go it's too loud here
1: oh wow, he was, wow. yeah he was like, it's oh. too loud
0: here and I was like okay that's cool like
1: Nice. We can Appreciate take them. that. That's
0: cool. Yeah, but it's also that you talk yeah. about that deeper silence. It is hard because I find myself even getting, um, and I always think I'm bored. But it's like, am I bored right. or am I just uncomfortable sitting here with, with myself?
1: You just nailed it right there. <laughs> so many times I hear that people use the word bored, and that's the thing. No, are you just uncomfortable being within your own space?
0: Yeah, because we're not. We're no yeah. longer brought up to. To entertain ourselves with with nothing, to just sit there and be okay, being yep. okay, right? Yep. And it's yep. hard Absolutely. to do. And I think that that probably influences our our inflammatory response too, because like I mean, there's science that shows that meditation and being still and being silent lowers your inflammation. And yeah, we're
1: constantly turned on, like yeah. that. And you know, cortisol and inflammation goes through. I mean, look at forest bathing. You know, they've done the studies mm-hmm. where. You just go out and you just chill in the forest. You're not there for any particular reason. You don't have a goal in mind, but they've had people that have walked in forest and they compared the same people to walk into a city. So you've got all these external things that you might not even be consciously tuned into, Mm -hmm. but are still, you know, affecting you there. And inflammatory markers are higher and, you know, um, uh, cortisol levels all. Yeah. yeah.
0: All over the place. All over the place. I think that's really interesting. Um, My, I have an older brother that he's a big camper and he always has been. And it's, He, um, he's one of the lowest stress guys I know. He's just like, he's very laid back and go with the flow and has, has always been that way. And I don't think that he has ever said to himself, I like to go camping because I know it reduces my stress levels and my inflammatory markers. (laughs) Like, I don't think it's any sort of conscious decision like that that he makes. I think he just enjoys being in nature and a byproduct of that is that like he is just an overall all around mellow dude like not right. a lot not a lot gets him fired up and stressed out. Um, right. And I feel like if all of us could could tune into that to some extent that we would have that nice byproduct of of mellowing out and 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 not being so so anxious so i see so much anxiety um like in my clients in particular everybody one of their top complaints is anxiety always
1: right yeah sure yep always and and i think that's with everyone it's not to say that it's your brother's thing per se i mean if you think about it what is it 0.01 percent of humanity's time on this planet we've been outdoors yeah you know this is relatively new being within these walls and stuff like that um um and it's I, I think everyone has it even if they don't think they are one with nature <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it's something within them our genes it's only a short period of time our genes have not been able to change or adapt that quickly yeah um and and on the other side of that he probably just likes to hang out and you know when he's camping too you know I've known other people like when I lived out in Jackson Hole. Um, people would take me climb and run up mountains and stuff and they were the like so type a like with a goal in mind
0: Mm -hmm. i got to
1: get to the top of the middle teton in this much time and i'm just like no you're gonna kill me (laughs) but you know like it's that end goal we always have to have sometimes we just got to let that go and that's what i think is that element of being out in nature that we we need to grasp
0: yeah that's a really good point you know um this summer with my son being home from school every day it's what are we going to do today what are we doing? And I'm like, we're not doing anything. We're just Hmm. hanging out, man. We're hanging out. Uh But what are we going to do? And then what are we going to do after we do that? And then what are we going to do tonight? (laughs) You know, part of that is just a kid wanting to know, asking questions. But, um, part of it too, I think is I look at him and I just think, man, you are a product of our society. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And that's such a, Great point because I get myself caught up in that. I yeah. I want to schedule my day, you mm-hmm. know, and even if I, my day is pretty loose day, you know, it's just like, okay, when are we going to have this conversation? When are we going to do this? Yeah. Like, like this afternoon, we're probably going to the beach, right? But what time are we going to the beach? You know what I mean? How long, <laughs> long are we going to be at the I just beach? Like, yep. <laughs> which in myself has. Like I used to be able to sit there for eight hours. Now it's like, all right, I'm good for about an hour and a half. Let's roll. But (laughs) I I know what you're saying. And we all fall into these cycles. It's very interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, it's nice when we're able to take that time and say, okay, like we're, um, you know, we're going to the beach or we're going camping and we're just, we're just, we don't have a plan. We're just going to go and be there and we're just going to see what happens. Just be there and go with it. And it's hard, you know, we, when we go on vacation, um, we like to go places that we've never been before and at like my family specifically. And so we, you know, we'll choose a location and then we schedule our entire time there. Well, on this day, we're going to go here in the morning and then we're going to go to this place <laughs> in the afternoon. And then it's like, is this a vacation? Cause this doesn't feel like a vacation. anymore. Right. Feels like <laughs> we're just go, go, yep. go the whole time. And there's no relaxation. And you know, that you get home and you need a vacation from your vacation. <laughs>
1: Well, you schedule something more when you're on vacation when you do when you're home.
0: Yeah. You
1: know? Yeah, uh, you're
0: trying to see all the things and do all the things and and then it's uh, stressful. So maybe yeah. you know, maybe those more low key vacations like, um last year we went to we rented a lake house for a couple of days and we just, we did, we just hung out. Like we didn't leave the little, it was great. It was probably, it it was, I mean, it was short, but it was probably one of the best vacations I've had in a long time because we did, we just, we went to the grocery store, we bought all of our food, we cooked there the whole time. So we didn't have to go to a restaurant. We didn't. And they had like a little, they had the lake where we could go and paddleboard and kayak and whatnot. And so it was, we just, we didn't have any schedule for like four days. And it was let's great. go back
1: to that. Pre- let's go back to that presence. Did you feel you were all more present with one another?
0: Oh, for sure. We also had yeah. horrible internet connection, and so nobody could get on their Beautiful. social media.
1: <laughs> yeah, isn't that
0: neat? Yeah, it was great. I went through
1: a little detox, but
0: yeah, that social media de- where like you're you're grabbing for your phone, and then you're realizing yeah. you can't really <laughs> even do anything with it; it's just a brick. And so you're oh yeah, and then you set it down, <laughs> and then you reach for it less and less, though, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it
0: yeah. that was that's that was one of those vacations where I came back feeling rested and feeling recharged. Which is yeah. I mean that's the point oh, of vacation, sure. right? That's the point right. yeah. of
1: going on. Well and it's shifting gears, you know. We need to shift gears in so many ways. Like you know, earlier you alluded to circadian rhythms, but we've got these Ultradian rhythms, you know, throughout the day. Mm. And you know, everything's a micro the macro. So, you know, we're actually designed to, you know, throughout a day have, you know, strong work stress, intense, maybe an hour and a half, stuff like that, whether we're at our desk or what are we doing. But then we got to take a 10, 15-minute break just to disconnect, and we need to switch those gears, shift those gears. Yeah. And that's in life, too, and that's what a vacation needs to do for us. So there's, like, so many different levels of these rhythms I think we need to be aware of. Yeah.
0: Yeah, instead of just going, going from one thing to the next all day yeah. long. That's what yeah. I wonder. Um, you know, I mean – Obviously, people like us that, you know, work out of our homes or, you know, do different things day to day, it's a little bit different, but I always wonder um, how it is for people that work in an in an office, um, you know, eight, nine, ten hours a day, and, right. and they have deadlines. For, I mean, obviously, like, you know, I have deadlines, but they're deadlines that I create for the most part, and so I try to be mm-hmm. mindful of that. But, you know, when someone else is giving you a deadline or when you're and you've got these things you have to complete and you're sitting under these fluorescent lights and you're there for so long and it's there's no time it's there is no you know 15 minute break between right. finishing one assignment to the next so on and so forth and i i wonder how much that factors in to those amplified chronic stress levels
1: oh i think it plays tremendously into you it you think that's you a know? big and part of it s- yeah yeah, you know, there's a book called um, The Power of Full Engagement. It's by um, Jim Lahr and Tony Schwartz. And what they do is they actually work with, like, high like high performance. Like, they help to enhance performance. So, okay. you know, they, they came to these conclusions, and that's actually, like, where I, I first learned of Ultradian Rhythms. Um, but they worked with, you know, like, Fortune 500 CEOs and stuff like that, these people that got burned out. Um, but it is possible to change these office schedules and what you're doing. You know, that's why um, – you know, and, and you've got a lot of big organizations that are starting to incorporate that. You know, which is a good thing. I think it's the ones that are stuck in the middle that aren't able to, Mm -hmm. um, like the whole cubicle lifestyle. But, like, we have Whirlpool in our town here. And I was talking to someone. They've got their stand-up treadmill desk there for them. So, you know, we're really starting to see an enhancement of of all this to shift those gears, which is a good thing. But being stationary like that, I mean, they have something called active couch potato syndrome. You go to the gym for an hour in the morning, but you're in your cubicle all day or you're traveling, you know, in a car all day long. Well, Mm -hmm. that exercise in the morning did nothing for you to benefit what the, that being so still, you know, the The downfall that has to, yep, the inflammatory pathways, the cortisol and all that. So, you know, we do need to be consciously aware, like we need to disconnect from phones. We need to be consciously aware to disconnect from what we're currently doing and get up and move. Yeah,
0: for sure. So you think that that, um, that constant movement throughout the day, as opposed to like, I have one hour in the morning when I go to the gym, Um, instead of doing that, like those bursts of like, get up and do squats or something, some sort of like Tabata type stuff for 10 minutes or something, and then go back to work and do your stuff. You think that's more beneficial, um, particularly in regards to like organ reserve and biological aging, um, more beneficial than that dedicated one hour in the morning.
1: I do you know i 'm a big fan of just do some, doing some tabata that 's off YouTube or something like that, but yeah. then during the day i 'm going to get up and move around like like two or three days a week i 'm in the pharmacy and most pharmacists are super busy they 're there for twelve hours they 're not eating they 're hardly going to the bathroom it 's oh, wow. crazy um, yeah, it just depends where you work but i mean I am known for i 'm the guy that walks outside that walks around I probably you know take too many liberties for it, but it 's just so important to do that. Um, you know just to get out you got to break it and it, it's fun it makes you feel good and literally at the end of the day you have more energy and you get more done you become more efficient so it's kind of like the whole thing with multitasking you can't do it you know what i yeah. mean you're just less efficient with every little thing that you do so you need to regenerate that you need to stay present and focus get that done and onto the next so yeah
0: well see i think like the fact that you i mean you realize how much more productive you are when you take those breaks it's um you know my mom and i were talking the other day she was a school teacher forever and Um, we were talking about the lack of recess at schools. And so there's been in, um, Oklahoma and Texas and probably in other parts of the country too, but you know, I'm in Oklahoma. So there were these, um, like quote unquote pilot programs, which I think is funny that they think this is a new thing, but where they took instead (laughs) of doing right now, you know, schools here have, um, you get, I think like 20 minutes to eat lunch and then a 20 or 25 minute recess. In the middle of okay. the day. And that's it. Um, they also have a, P, they, yeah, they have a PE class. Um, but, you know, other than that, that's pretty much it. So these pilot programs <clears throat> took, there was like a, a small town in Oklahoma. And then there was a couple small towns in Texas. And what they did is instead of doing that, they had, um, they added extra recesses. So they ended up having the the 20 minutes to eat and the 25 minute recess. But then they added three other 15 minute recesses throughout the course of the day. And when they started it, the teachers were like, how am I going to get all of this stuff done? I already have such a limited amount of time to teach these things to these kids. Now we have all these other breaks. There's no way I'm going to fit this into my day. And then at the end of the program, all of the teachers were just – they couldn't understand how not only did they get through everything that they had to teach, but they even had extra playtime at the end of the day.
1: See? Because everyone – It worked well for them too. Yeah.
0: The kids were so much more efficient and on task during the time that they were working that – because they had those breaks to go play and to go move and to – you know, with kids, we think about it as getting the wiggles out, but, like, man, I need to get my wiggles out,
1: too. <laughs> yeah, that's for darn sure. I know. You know, it's it's funny, and I feel a little remiss to say this or guilty of it, but, you know, in our pharmacy, um, you know, in any, okay, official job thing, you get certain breaks during the day from a corporation, yeah. right? So technicians, they – you know they're our assistants, and they keep us alive, man. They're the they're the people. They're the front. Um, but my one technician who is just I mean, she is amazing. I mean, I she does everything, but she's the workhorse. She's driven. She likes to wait to do her lunch till like four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, but she doesn't impart these breaks while I've been doing it. So I really felt guilty, and I actually had her go see a functional medicine doctor, a friend of mine. And you know, her adrenals have been trashed. I knew that. I knew her cortisol was up. So I had to basically just put an official stance in the pharmacy right now in a memo, like, no, everyone gets their two at least ten-minute breaks, you know, mm-hmm. on the shoulder in their lunches. You got to eat sooner. We got to yeah. take care of your sugar levels, you know. And the fact that in cortisol levels, the fact that I did not even recognize that. I was like, oh, good Lord. But that actually just (laughs) came apart this week, which is highly interesting. So it'll be interesting to see how everyone feels after this.
0: (laughs) Well, but, you know, that's good. And I I wish more places like that would implement. Because, you know, big corporations typically, they don't. If you're going to not take your break, they're okay with that. You know, they're okay with you working a little bit more. And if things are
1: really busy, you know, and you're crazy, it's so easy to say, no, I got to do this. But if you break away and you get back, you're probably going to do it faster, better, more efficient with less mistakes.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well, we're right at an hour here, Rob. Um, Per usual, not enough time, not enough time to get through all the interesting stuff. Oh, this um, is fun, right? Yeah, we really appreciate you um, joining us and... I think this is some really good information. Um, You know, the organ reserve thing is—that's not something that I've done a whole lot of research on. So this was super interesting for me, and um, I'm about to—I'm going to go get online after I take a short break. And uh, there you go, shift those gears. Yeah, and I'm going to look up some of the some of the things you mentioned. But um, before we hop off, can you let our listeners know? Kind of where they can find you on social media, where they can find your podcast, if they want to contact you with questions about stuff, good things like that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Um, so social media, I mostly do Instagram. I just think it's fun. Uh, so I'm Root Pharmacist there. Um, I do have a Facebook page that um, you know, I should do more of. That's Root Pharmacist as well. Um, my website is Root Pharmacist. And if you go there too... Um, You'll see, there'll be a download where I uh, put up basically my seven roots to living healthy and living well. Um, so a free little you know video report if people want that. Um, and I guess that's, oh, and my podcast—it's what is it, root? <laughs> is it root pharmacist or something like
0: that? Yeah, I
1: think it's root <laughs> I pharmacist, working, right? Yeah, I Cause that's where I, thats
0: where I originally found you.
1: Yeah, it's on Google. It's on iTunes. Root so, Pharmacist uh, Radio. Thank you. Root.
0: There we go. It's okay. We
1: talked about being more consistent, but um yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Very cool.